Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I am so happy and grateful to have Dr. Donna Marie Hunter with us here today, who is an inspirational keynote speaker, best-selling author, and counselor. She believes that dreams, both large and small, do not have expiration dates, even in the face of a harsh reality like her daughter Allie's diagnosis of autism. The emotional devastation and disappointment became the catalyst for the Repairs Coaching Program, which helps folks mend the breach of brokenness. Donna co-authored Women Who Rise, a number one Amazon international bestseller, in which she shares the journey to hope, restoration, and repair of broken dreams. Hashtag my hopes are up. With over 20 years of awarded leadership as a high school principal, counselor, and administrator, Donna is a well-respected expert in public education. Dr. Hunter's mission is to educate, enlighten, and empower individuals with knowledge that transforms thinking and leads to actionable steps towards positive change. Dr. Donna is an intuitive coach for personal and professional growth, a knowledgeable consultant in education and leadership, and an inspirational champion for equity, access, and inclusion for all individuals with disabilities. Donna Marie is the founder of Allies Allies, a nonprofit serving families in underserved communities affected by intellectual and developmental dis- disabilities. Hashtag unto the least of these. As an advocate for children with special needs, Dr. Donna co-produced and starred in the award-winning short film Colored My Mind Diagnosis with friends Tisha Campbell-Martin, LaDonna Hewley, and Tammy McRae, and Shannon Nash. The film has aired on Centric TV. PBS, CNN's Raising America with screening at Viacom, Delta Airlines, and Wells Fargo Bank diversity training. CMM speaks to the disparity and timely and accurate diagnosis of African-American and Latino children with intellectual and developmental disabilities, particularly autism. Donna, welcome, and thank you so very much for being here. Oh, thank you, and thank you for having me, Jesse. I'm truly thrilled to be here with you today. Absolutely, and Donna, I have to, I wanna start by just acknowledging the colored my mind diagnosis and it's a sh- it's a short film about 16 to 18 minutes and anyone who has a loved one with autism or knows someone who does i highly recommend it and here's why i grew up and my very first childhood friend and i shared this with you donna is was my very first childhood friend was developmentally disabled i'm not sure what the proper terminology we're using these days are but he was, he was about three, four years older than me. And it was really incredible growing up with him because where I lived, I didn't, I didn't have neighborhood kids or anything to play with. So he was the main person I would, I would play with. Our parents were best friends. And much of my childhood was spent with him and, and we would go in, he loved to go hunt bears. And so we'd take our little pop guns out into the woods and walk around and do that and go bowling and whenever he would get a bumper or he would get a gutter shot. We'd always talk about calling the cops. He was robbed. I never, I never understood what it must be like for him to see the world Mm -hmm. in the way he did. And there was a really incredible scene in the film where you have this moment where it's almost like hearing and seeing the world through the child's eyes and ears. And that was so powerful and insightful for me and I it was such like a I don't know it was like this gap all of a sudden was filled in from my childhood of of understanding how things might be for Tyler because I never I really I always was curious but I never really sat with trying to understand that I I just always looked Tyler as being Tyler 
and and that was that. So I really thank you for that. And I'm wondering for you to have a child and going through your journey with Ali, what led to you and your friends coming together and, and developing this film and putting it out to the world? Well, I would say um, the idea for um, giving that um, idea for um, having the person show what it's like to be autistic, that was our producer, uh, Nia Hill. She actually um, was trying to understand it. So one of the ways in which to understand it was to give light to it or to give an understanding for the audience. And then I must give credit to my friend, uh, LaDonna Hughley, because she was the one who came to me and said, uh, friend, we call each other friend, you must do this. Um, this is something that will help um, not only us, but it will help others to understand. And then unpacking that was the journey that's now um, come to fruition. But the whole premise was because I was from a different neighborhood than my friends were. And so their children got things that my children did not, or, or my child did not. And there was very grave disparity between not only, you know, in children of color, but also in class. Because if you're not in the right neighborhood or don't have access, then your child may be left behind or not get what they need. And that was definitely in the case of Alex. And wanting to tell that story and wanting to make sure that others had access has, that's one of the reasons Ali's Allies was birthed because there's gotta be a messenger, there's gotta be a witness out there to say, hey, these kids out here or these kids in these neighborhoods still need access to early access to interventions and uh, therapies that could hope change, hopefully change the trajectory of their lives as well. So it's coming from there, from a friend who saw my heart, saw my need and um, just wouldn't let me, you know, just kind of sit by. She really, um, brought me under her wing um, to do this movie with uh, the ladies. Have you found, have you found Donna in helping others that it's been healing for yourself? Oh, that, wow. That's huge. Um, that has been, I would say the most, uh, the place where I've been healed the most is mm -hmm. in reaching out and supporting and loving on others. Um, saying in my own little world um, never seemed to, uh, for me, um, seem to do the work. Um, and I will say this because it's only been 10 years that I've really been out, um, out of myself doing the work of healing so that I can then, you know, be a healer um, in the world. But there's, I would say the greatest and the most progress made in my heart, mind, and spirit has been through the advocacy work or the teaching and um, supporting of others that have a need, and especially in the area of developmental disabilities. It changes, it, it does its own, it's almost as if you're giving, but you're getting, you're getting more. You're giving, yeah. you're getting a, a whole lot more. And when you hear the stories of people when they come back and they tell you about what the film has done or how it's helped them or how it's changed their perspective, you know that you did a good thing, and then you want to also guide them to what's next. Do they need support themselves? Are they struggling with the diagnosis? Even just to hear it, just to understand it. So you want to um, have them go the next step, but the main thing I would say, absolutely yes. The biggest thing has been the healing that it has brought in me to go out and to be a help and a helping hand to others. Have you, I'm curious, Donna, has your relationship with Ali evolved at all from 
going through that part where it's the initial diagnosis and I remember I read your your contribution to the book Women Who Rise and talking about that that hurt of almost like mourning those dreams that you had for your experiences with her has the healing that you've done through this film and being an advocate and going out there and doing this, has it evolved your relationship with Allie at all? Absolutely, because um, when the heart is repaired, you automatically, it automatically changes your sphere, it changes your whole life, and it changes the people that you love and care about. So absolutely, from a place of being absolutely broken and feeling as if there was uh, no hope, um, going from there, to not only accepting, loving, and caring, and advocating, it has changed the way I do, I, I live, and I love. Even having the ability to write part of the story, I, I was, the wounded, or the, the brokenness in my heart was so deep, I could not, um, I couldn't write, I couldn't tell the story. The portion of healing that has come from, um, from just from this time in the last 10 years with Allie has been an eye-opener and I can love, love, love so much deeper. And I can, because there's one thing about doing, but when your heart is broken, you don't even feel the love that you want to feel. Mm. This relationship I have now with her, it's almost, it's intuitive. I can feel her when she's sad or when she needs something, we feel each other. She mm. comes and she just wants to be around me. She may not be able to hug, she, may not, she doesn't talk, but we are loving on each other and it's, um, it's healing both of us, I would say, because I, uh, I'm saying that for me, but I know that she's comfortable and she feels love in her own way. So it's definitely um, healing. Um, it's definitely evolved, healed. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world. As, as difficult as, as, as it's been, I wouldn't trade um, the hard portions for the love that we have, that we share now. That's so incredible to hear. And what I'm also hearing is it almost sounds like that in the brokenness, there was almost this inability to evolve how you could love and how you could communicate. And so you were, you were, you know, doing the, the standard human being thing that most of us do, which is where we're reliant on words to try to understand and convey meaning. And then what I'm hearing now is that through your healing, you've allowed yourself to evolve to a much deeper and more meaningful language, right? A language of based on connection and love. Absolutely. I, I can't um, put words to it, and I don't want to make it um, over-spiritualize it, no. but we literally are connected, and uh, we love, and she misses me. Um, she can't say it, but I can tell when I'm gone for the day or if I have business, she misses me, and I can feel it. She'll just come, and she'll stand, stand by. We have a connection. Um, I now know what it really means to have unconditional love and regard. Mm. I, I truly, I understand it. I don't think had I, had we not have, had Allie and had to go through the seasons that we've gone through, I'm not sure. I'm sure God can get to us in a different way, 
but I'm so grateful that this was the route in which it took for me to come to that place. I don't, I don't perceive um, getting there another way. I'm grateful to be a cho to have been chosen with to be her mom and to be have chosen for this route. I feel that is um, a gift beyond measure. It's a gift. One of the things I find the most incredible about the human experience is our capacity to evolve beyond that painful place to a place of purpose. And that we can, when we learn to see that the, the most painful moments of our lives, maybe in some strange roundabout, crazy way, whatever that is, they're really the, 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 the moments that we put our footprints from sand to cement and we begin to walk a different path that if we so choose to embrace it, it really does leave us to a, a place of purpose and a deeper understanding of, you know, I hear a lot of people throw around the term love someone unconditionally. And for most of them, I call out, you know, lovingly call out BS on it because I think it's, it's a term that we will say to help ourselves sleep better at night. We like to, you know, it's like the pat on the back we like to give ourselves. But I really, I, you know, for me, I feel like the real unconditional love is that what you were just trying to describe and you really can't describe it. It, it goes so much deeper and beyond the need of affirmation or, you know, the acknowledgement, which I, I think a lot of our loving relationships are based on that. Hey, I want to, I did this really cool thing. You're not acknowledging me now. Yeah, look at me. Oh, yes, he's not getting a Christmas card this year. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I love her unconditionally, absolutely. But I, I really think that that's, that's the, the essence of unconditional love right there is it's that what you're describing is this, this, this connection. It's this almost like, again, and there, there's not words, but it's like you're speaking the language of the soul. Absolutely. I, I like that you said the purpose portion, because that's the portion that really resonates with me. Um, there's there's got to be something in life that drives you and really helps you to rise in your purpose. And I feel fortunate that it happens to be my daughter. I mean, I know that I... I feel very fortunate and we have two children. It's not that I, you know, our son, another uh, wonderfully special child in his own right and um, truly a blessing. But purpose, when I understand my reason for being and on the earth, I can see that more clearly when I look at Alex and when I serve her and when I care for her and when I love on her and I get nothing in return. Um, I, and I say nothing tangible, but definitely the feeling that we get from each other and just loving on each other. But purpose, I'm passionate about knowing what my purpose is now and understanding and fulfilling it. And not in a way that makes it so grandiose, but if it changes one life, if it encourages one mom, one dad, one brother, one sister, and you, even as a friend to Tyler, it helps you to bring, if it helps to bring understanding and helps to be, helps you to be more compassionate going forward for those folks that have developmental disabilities. My purpose is just that and it's fulfilled in knowing that I can support and help and be of an encouragement to folks along the way. So it's gotta be the pain that, right, you know, the pain, but the purpose that rises out of the fire that mm. keeps you moving. 
And so that you don't fall into the despair, you don't fall into the depression, or you come out of it when you understand what the purpose for it is. When I don't know the why, and I'm, you know, I'm anxious about what's the why, it feels hopeless. That's where it feels hopeless. I feel like I can anchor in hope knowing what the purpose for it is. So that resonates with me um, very deeply to know that um, the whole premise for everything that we're going through, there's a purpose in it. There's a purpose in it. And if it's just to spread hope and love to one other person on this earth, so be it. I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I know I'm, maybe I've shown that to one or two or three, but grateful for the opportunity to allow the purpose to make it um, a plan for someone else for healing. It's really remarkable hearing you share Donna because as you're sharing I'm having these flashbacks to childhood memories with Tyler and it's funny gosh was it like you know maybe it's two three years ago I was given a talk somewhere and I was asked a question who were you know your like greatest life teachers and for whatever reason that day Tyler popped up into my mind because in growing up with Tyler <clears throat> when I remember when you would get to be older as a kids going into school and there was this a special education class in the elementary school I was at and I would go and and volunteer in the class to be like one of the helpers in there and whatnot and I never really thought anything of it because I had just always been around and I remember when kids would start to comment on differences and, and different things and the reason I would acknowledge Tyler as being one of my greatest teachers is because I feel like he really taught me compassion. He really taught me patience. And he taught me these things at a time when I didn't realize how important they were to learn. Mm. You know, he, he taught me those things. And, and I find myself, you know, I think it's human nature. We, we, we will, we have that voice that judges before we can catch it. Right. But I also feel, or at least I choose to attribute to, to Tyler, that my willingness to sit with an examination, examine that judgment, to try to seek understanding with it, I, I think it's largely influenced by him. Mm. You know, it really is. And there's so many things that you're saying about your daughter that, and I don't, that I can just, I can so deeply relate at. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. I can see, um, uh, I'll say the way in which you understand, it's hindsight. And um, I'm so grateful for our teachers and so grateful that these children and these people that have been placed on the earth, they are our teachers. So we can accept it, we can relish in it, and we can celebrate them just for who they are because they've taught us something. I, When I told you when we first started, I'm so grateful. I'm I'm grateful to be a chosen, I feel that way. I feel chosen as a mom of an autistic or a special needs child or a child with a developmental disability. I feel chosen. I didn't, um, when we began this journey, I had a lot of hurt, um, dashed dreams as I wrote about, but I feel so grateful to be have chosen. I truly feel um, kind of what the, or people say, there are angels in your midst. Um, mm. uh, I feel, very much chosen that I have the opportunity 
to have one of God's truest, um, I know it's not biblically correct, but an angel in my midst, that I get to serve an angel, I get to be with her, and to do life with someone who knows nothing but love. It is an absolute uh, gift. I, I was sharing with you before this that I read your contribution to Women Who Rise, and I'm hoping we can talk about that uh, loving mothering piece. And you had said something, and please correct me, that you found yourself in the early stages of mothering, wanting, loving your children in the way that you wish you had been loved. Yeah. Can you expand on that a little bit? Because I think there is... There is such a beautiful, when, when I read that, I, I, I felt that, you know, I, I really felt that. I was like, my gosh, that's like, that's it for so many of us. We're all these like hurt little boys and girls running around wanting so <laughs> desperately to be loved, but then we're so closed off and afraid to be vulnerable that we're still not allowing ourselves to receive it. Well, you said it, that you said it. We're not allowing ourselves to receive it. And I think that we do go through life that way. I think again, in hindsight, I had no idea why I was so desperate to be with my children. I, I knew I loved them, but I felt like I was the mother that needed to be there with them. And it did stem, I mean, as you look back on it, hindsight is twenty twenty. I needed to be mothered myself. So the way in which, what do you do? You want to repair that by loving yourself through your kids. And that's part of what I did. Now, at the moment, I had no idea that's what I was doing but truly wanting to love the parts of me that didn't get it from my home, that didn't get it. And, the, and for whatever reason, whether yeah, unavailable, emotionally, mentally, physically. So I wanted to love my kids, thus love myself through them. And I know that's a selfish thing to say, but it also made me a better person to be loving on myself and to be able to love on my children. But I didn't get it. Um, when it first um, rose in me as I started the work of repair and to be honest with myself about what my childhood was really like and then why so adamant and then having this wonderful child who forced the forced your hand and looking at yourself and looking at your situation and hopefully looking at it in the sense that something in this good something mm -hmm. there's something good about having a child on the spectrum there's something good about having a child with a special need it caused my heart to repair way back, from way back when, when I didn't get some of the things that I um, felt that I needed as a child, and how could I give yeah. them to this one daughter? But the disappointments too, and that I didn't get to do some of the things that a mother would do, thus someone else would come along and provide that in another way, so that I could still um, experience it and get what I had need of and not resent my daughter for them because I was going to get them. I just didn't know how. Hmm. When that question of what's the good, is there something good? Is that something that you were innately aware of that there was a good, or was that a question that you were asking yourself, like consciously asking yourself, what's the good here? Where is there good? Where can I find the good? Oh, absolutely. I, I think I would be dishonest to say that I understood it. I did not. I, in those early days where it was very hard and sleepless nights and a lot of um, uh, tantrums, a lot of things going on with Alex, I did not know that there was good coming. I did not know that my heart would be repaired at some point. 
I felt the portion where you feel the anxiety, the depression, the, the disappointment. Just, just I, The word I had the most was disappointment because I kept thinking this is not, you know, I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't get certain things. I was supposed to get them. If you don't get them as a child, you get them as an adult. You know, my thought was I'm missing something. I'm missing out on friends. I'm missing out on connections. So, yes, I did not see it um, as this wonderful gift that I do now. But again, with repair and understanding, and then the portion where when God brings it back and we give him room to really bring it back in another way through another child or through another experience, and it repairs something, it allows me to go back with the lens that's much different. The lens that I have now is much different. So I can celebrate and I love on her. But I definitely had that days and those times where I didn't see it. I, I did not see it as this blessing that it is in my life now. For someone who's who's listening or watching right now, Donna, and who finds themselves becoming aware of, or perhaps they're even just being really honest with and acknowledging their brokenness, mm-hmm. and they are wanting to begin to or dive deeper into doing the work of repair. How would you encourage them to begin that work? Um, The first thing I always say is to acknowledge it and find a place for the emotional release that comes. There has to be a place, one, because when you're in that point of despair where you let go of it, you have to let go, you have to forgive whatever that is. I had to forgive myself, forgive my parents, forgive um, forgive God, <laughs> I had to be at a place where I was ready to emotionally let it go. And part of that was going in and saying and entreating and saying the who, what, when, how, where, what my disappointments were and, and all that came with it. And then getting on, uh, getting it all out by petitioning and asking for help for the portions that I could not do. I really believe that you can let go of something but sometimes when your heart is held holding tight you can't release it the way you would like to petitioning and Mm -hmm. truly trying to get that um to to let go of the portion that you can't and then something has to give you an actionable step and for me it's journaling it's praying it's all of those things talking to a friend talking to a counselor something that lets me know that i made a decision I've entreated, I've petitioned, and then I've got something that I can actually say, this is the date and time when I actually let it go so that I can remind myself. I'm doing a constant reminder. And then one thing, I, the, two thing the last two things, I always say invite in the very thing that you want to replace the hurt, the pain, the disappointment. Invite it in. If it's peace, if it's acceptance, if it's unconditional love, if that's the thing that you want, instead of what you're feeling, the the disappointment, the anxiousness, invite that in. Call it into that space where the the things that you don't want in. And then let the the restoration process begin. And that's where I say, you give God room to bring back the dream a different way. I, Mm. I didn't ever get the prom. I didn't ever get the graduation ceremonies, but I participated in a wedding that literally changed my heart and allowed me to see um, that even though I didn't get the dream that I wanted, it came back in such a way that was much more beautiful than I think I could have ever imagined. And mm. it wasn't by hand, it was by the hand of someone else. So allowing people in to help you restore 
and then doing the very work that I tell you I'm doing and, and trying to help others. You become a repairer when you repair yourself and then when you repair others. You have to do the work where you are going out and doing something for others. A closed circle, you know, uh, when you're a closed uh, ocean, it becomes stagnant. When you are a flowing conduit of love and blessings, you will see more of it. You'll attract more and you will be much more of a blessing to others. What a beautiful description, a flowing conduit of love and blessings. Absolutely. I love that. It, I find that it does seem so often that it's, it's when we, when we don't receive the dreams that we wanted, we often are gifted the dreams that we needed. I like that one. I'll swap you that one for a flowing conduit of love and blessings. <laughs> <laughs> right. I like that one. I'm, I'll keep it. <laughs> I'm going to keep the love that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll trade. <laughs> perfect. That was perfect. You said it much more eloquent. I like it. That was eloquent. But you know what I, I mean? It is. It's, and it's, it's like, it's like we, we, we put, it seems like we put so much of our energy and our actionable energy into not even mourning, but obsessing over feeling wronged or cheated out of that dream versus really you know, breaking it down and just giving ourselves permission to have that release and then being able to create that space, create that openness for the dream that we really need. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I often wonder like, you know, human beings, like how incredible we would be, yeah, how much more incredible we could be than we already are if we were directing that energy towards not which we think we should have had, but really embracing that which we really need. And maybe that's, you know, maybe, I'm sorry, maybe that's the, you, uh, Don and I were talking beforehand, we were trying to, we were talking about the, the, you know, the Mother Teresa's, the Gandhi's, the Martin Luther King's about how they seemed like they were just these individuals out of time that they were almost like aliens put down here and like, how the hell did they come to be? But maybe that's part of it is that they at a very, you know, at a very like deep, deep level, they became acutely aware of, it wasn't about the dreams they want, but the dreams they need. And they were able to be so actionably focused on on that, that their energy was directed so purposely towards that and that we're so wrestling and especially in the modern consumer culture where we've been taught that happiness is a, is a, is a click, is a buy, is a purchase, it's a status symbol that we've, we've, it's almost like we've, we've spent our way out of the essence of what happiness really could be and instead swapped it for, you know, likes on social media or the latest fashion trend or you, you know whatever that consumer culture promotes for us that's going to be the key and the gateway to our happiness we 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 go and buy the car on our credit card and we have that good feeling happy feeling for a few days until you know, <laughs> cognitive <birth>. dissonance <laughs> yeah 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 and then all of a sudden we, we get the credit card bill and we're oh god <laughs> you know? not so happy anymore yeah no. not so happy anymore uh, donna before i ask you the final question because i know we're running tight on time where can people find you online 
Oh, they can find me just my name, drdonnamarie.com. That's the easiest place. And then on Facebook at Dr. Donna Marie as well. That's my page and they can like or can contact me directly. And we'll be sure to put, I'll put all the links up with everything too. Okay. Thank you, Jesse. Thank yeah. you for the time. Yeah, yes. absolutely. I want to I wanna just put the final question. I want to circle back to the beginning. In the beginning, you mentioned uh, with your friend, LaDonna, you call each other friend. Yes. How, why? Has that been something? I think that's such an, I think that, is it, is, it, is it an intentional thing? Was it one of those things that just happened one day and you just it felt good? Uh, that was another one. That's a heart thing. Um, if uh, there was someone in my life that was friend to come alongside, uh, she was that person. And in, uh, we've been friends for now 40-something years. I'm mm. best friend. And she has been a friend to me and I to her. So we are friend and friend. We don't call each other by our first names. It's a heart thing. And to have that in your life, uh, to have a person like that uh, in your life that truly has a heart for you and means well, um, it's, a different, it's a different lens. It's another healing <laughs> for, uh, it's another healing step along the way. So she would not allow me again to just stay with Alex and stay over there. She was the one who motioned me towards um, doing more than just being a mom or I'll say staying in my state of just wanting to just take care of Alex. She saw um, the need for me to get out of me and to do something for others so that I could heal. I totally lied and I said that'd be our last question, but I wanna ask you one more really quick. Okay. <laughs> Has, by, I'm just curious, by the two of you calling each other friend, and essentially defining one another as friend, have you found that with her being in a way the embodiment of friend, has it elevated the quality of your relationships of the people you allow into your life in terms of who else you allow to be friends because you have this bar set so high of what friend is to you? I would say yes, and but it also allows me to have more friends. Hmm. And to truly go deeply with a few that I can actually call friend. So I make uh, talk to one of my girlfriends and say, uh, um, Tashimi, um, hey friend. I'll say, hey friend, as a salutation. But the person I call friend as friend is LaDonna. Hmm. Even my sister, my sister is my friend. She's like my best friend. And I call her Susie, but she, I think of the word friend. Um, and we call each other friend. And it does allow me to see what that means for others. It doesn't close me off. It opens me up to be more of a friend. So I can call myself friend, not just because she does, because I've learned how to be a friend through her love for me. That's incredible. Everyone, my goodness, are you going to want to rewatch, re-listen, take some notes, and most importantly, take some action in accordance with this. Gosh, Donna took us on an incredible journey of what it really means to heal the heart and to find the blessings in an area that we might have once thought we weren't there. To, to look at some of the hurts that you've had in life. You know, so often we allow our hurts to follow us around and dictate the course of our life. And we live our lives not for who we are and what we want, but we live our lives by the pain of our past, almost allowing that to be the 
the star that guides us to a life that inevitably seems like the pattern repeats itself. But to take pause and acknowledge that pain and to allow yourself to feel through the feeling, to allow yourself to release that, to allow yourself to release the expectation of what you thought you should get to really embrace of what you've been given. Mm. My goodness, is there learning to be done there. And the evolution of not just the insight and the understanding, but the evolution of what it really means to love and connect. You know, I think very often in life, many of us play love, play the game of love at a very surface, superficial level. We take love as conditional as it comes, where it's, it's we'll love it, we'll love another just as much as we love a new pair of shoes. We do everything we can to preserve it and keep it nice and tidy, but eventually there's scuffs, there's stains, and well, after a while it starts to wear down and it gets holes, and we quickly discard those for that new, new pair of shoes. Whereas really really diving into a depth of love to getting to that place of unconditional. And I really mean that when I say that I will rarely do when people use the term unconditional love, do I acknowledge it? And I fully acknowledge it here is when God is describing it is in my belief system. What I believe it is, is because it's a love that it goes beyond language. It goes beyond needing to use words. Words are, gosh, we put such a reliance and a, and a heavy responsibility onto our language, our words these days, when there's so much more depth to humanity. And again, I think we often use language as a scapegoat for going deeper with one another. Mm-hmm. To get to a point where it's just to, to a genuine feeling, to really soulful loving. It's so incredible. And I love the idea of identifying her friend as friend and really embracing and acknowledging and, and that she said it doesn't close her off it opens her up more you know, right it just opens her up more it, it's something that we could all pause and consider and look at the people who are our really special people in our lives and perhaps one of the things we could ask ourselves is how can our love of them open us up more to giving and receiving more love to others whether you have a child with special needs or you know someone who does or you are just a human being that wants to go deeper into the capacity of your soul and the ability for your heart to heal and to love of self and others i would highly encourage you to watch colored my mind and go deeper on the journey with donna Donna, this was absolutely incredible. What a blessing this was. Thank you so very much for sharing with us today. Thank you, Jesse. It was wonderful being with you. I'm so honored. And thank you again. Absolutely. We will see you next time, everyone, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to